0: Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, November the 29th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and our regular Tuesday morning guest, Dr. J.B. Hickson is with us again today. Good morning, J.B. Glad you're with us. How was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was great. Good morning, Curtis and Pastor Dick. Uh, Great to be with you again. Wonderful week last week a great uh, time of fellowship and of course a lot to be thankful for as always and uh, yes sir but uh, looking forward to our discussion today
0: yes i am too I, I know we know what the subject matter is we've discussed it and uh, there's a lot of um uh, these days especially a lot of editorial uh, stuff out there on uh, the condition of the church and that's what we're going to be talking about today um I know what book you're going to be in, and boy, I'll tell you what, I, I, think, I, I think I know where you're going to go with this, and I, it's going to, this is going to be a good hour, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're, we're going to talk about the church, probably what makes the church the church, and uh, discuss some of the prevalent problems that we have in uh, the church today, and uh, we're, we're all kind of familiar with some of them. Now, there's some of them that we may not even be aware of that JB will probably bring to light for us. So get your note-taking materials ready. You are not going to want to miss a second of this. JB.
1: Amen. Oh, well, thanks, Curtis. So let me start out by just uh, mentioning a couple of uh, quick uh, announcements and just maybe some updates on uh, you know on our. Um, ministry and uh you know we've uh, god's been so good to not by works and we're kind of wrapping up the year and we leave actually tomorrow on wednesday for our final trip of the year i'll be speaking down in houston texas at a church on sunday and then uh, next week monday through wednesday i'll be up in dallas at the annual pre-trib uh conference this year the theme is globalism and the end times oh boy and a lot of yeah. great speakers up there uh, really uh, always a, a A great blessing to be a part of that group and get to meet some wonderful folks. So if you're in the greater Dallas Metroplex area next Monday through Wednesday, December 6th through the 8th, love to have you stop by the Sheraton Hotel there at DFW Airport. It's out in Irving. And um, we would love to say hello. You can learn more about that conference, the Globalism and End Times uh, Conference, by just going to notbyworks.org. And uh, we've got a banner there on our homepage that will tell you all about it, how to sign up, and uh, usually several hundred people, and, and just a wonderful time. So, um, pray for Andy,
0: us. Andy Wood and uh, Arnie fruitenbaum are going to be there, aren't they? Also,
1: they are. I, I'm trying to remember if Andy is speaking. I believe Andy's on the board of that conference, um, and he speaks just about every year. I can't remember if he's speaking this year, but several great uh, uh, speakers. In fact, let me uh, let me call it up real quick, and I'll kind of highlight a few of them, because uh, it's, uh, it's, I feel like kind of the turtle on the, the fence post, uh, how in the world did <laughs> I, get because uh, it's just, uh, just one of those, uh, one of those things. So, but yeah, let's see, we've got uh, Arnie Frucht and bob you mentioned uh, Dr. Tommy Ice, of course, will be speaking, Robbie Dean, Whoa. Dr. Mm-hmm. Mike Stallard, Paul Wilkinson, uh, Jeff Kinley, Charlie Payne, Randy Price um so andy will certainly be there uh i don't know that he's one of the speakers this year i wish he was he always is uh, we've also got yeah. mark hitchcock will be there so it's a it's a who's who um yeah and uh so listen to some of these topics um uh game of gods so understanding global trends kind of mm-hmm. on game of thrones theme there uh, i'll be speaking on one minute before the second coming and talking about the World Economic Forum and some of the things that will take place during that seven-year reign of terror by the Antichrist. Um, Jeff Kinley is going to be speaking on globalism and the end times, the coming world dictator. Um, uh, Paul Wilkinson on the glorious inheritance of God. Charlie Clough on the babbled delusion. That sounds great. Um, Yeah. So yeah, lots of great uh, speakers. That's again next week. Monday through Wednesday, December 6th through the 8th, and if you're anywhere near the Dallas Metroplex area, uh, come see us. It's being held at the Sheraton Grand Hotel DFW Airport there in Irving, Texas. And again, for more details, just go to notbyworks.org and click on the Globalism and the End Times Conference banner right there on our homepage.
0: Yeah, um, it uh, sounds like something you definitely would not want to pass by if you uh if you're in that area, for sure. Uh,
1: absolutely not. And if you do make it out, uh, or if you were already planning to come, uh, be sure to stop by the Knot by Works booth. I'll be there with my family and uh, looking forward to, to meeting some folks I only get to see once a year at that conference. So um, Amen. also want to mention that uh, I think we've mentioned last time that uh, because of my travels, we won't be doing our regular Wednesday night uh, study on how to read and understand the Bible. That's our, our normal midweek live stream on Wednesday nights. We won't be doing that this week or next week because of our travels, but what we have done is each week, this week and next week on Wednesday morning, uh, we are posting a, a podcast from uh, from the archives, and these are messages that have never before been heard on our podcast channel, but uh, that, we, that I have done at various uh, conferences uh, through the years. So, I um, Hope you'll uh, plan to uh, uh, watch for that. And if you don't uh, get our podcast, you can get them one of two ways: either you can download our free Not by Works mobile app, or you can go to any podcast provider, whatever you, wherever you listen to podcasts. And there's you know 15 or more different podcast apps out there, and it doesn't matter which one it is. If you just search for Not by Works Ministries, you'll find all of our podcasts. So. With that, I wanted to take, a, take some time today. This has been on my heart uh, recently, and I would suspect it's been on many of our listeners' hearts, and, and that is this question. If I had to give a title to this podcast today, it would be this. What in the world is wrong with the church? What's wrong with the church? I mean, if you look around us, it seems like nothing about the typical church today resembles what God's Word intended for the church to look like you know, we believe the Bible is the only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices. Amen. And the Bible clearly outlines what the church uh, is supposed to look like, what the purpose of the church is, why God in his sovereign plan of the ages chose to, to uh, inaugurate this age called the church age. And I think early on in the church age, uh, immediately following the death and resurrection of our Savior, uh, the church uh, did its best to, to fulfill the mandates that uh, the church has, and I think for many centuries looked very much like the New Testament church is supposed to look. But in these great last days of deception, and given Satan's incredible uh, you know, work as the god of this age and the prince of the power of the air Uh, we've seen, uh, as scripture foretells, a great uh, falling away of the church, and uh, so much so that recently in an interview that I did with uh, David Fiorazzo from Stand Up for the Truth, I speculated that really there are only about 5% of the churches today, at least in America, which is my primary focus, that truly resemble the New Testament church. Now, I I can't prove that, uh, that's just my dead reckoning. Having traveled for many years and spoken in over a thousand churches and conferences, and just from talking to different people who reach out to Not by Works Ministries with their anecdotes or their questions, I just get the sense that uh, that it's got to be you no know, more than five percent. Uh, I also arrive at that uh, conclusion, uh, speculative though it may be, from just looking at some of the literature that's being put out. Uh, you know, the best-selling books within evangelical Christianity are, are typically not sound doctrinally. They are missing the mark in terms of addressing the issues of our day.
0: That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and so uh, what's wrong with the church? I mean, I, I, just, I, I feel like more than ever before, uh, the world needs the church to step up to the plate, do its job, and be, uh, yeah. first of all, sharing the gospel, and then second of all, ministering to one another. And, and, and yet, we've you go to the typical church today, and it's it, it's resembles more of a social club. Um, it there, some of them are doing good things, but uh, sometimes the good can be the enemy of the best. And uh, we want yeah. to do what the Lord wants us to do. So, yes. as I was kind of lamenting the state of the church today, I started thinking, well, what let's go back to the beginning, and you know, what should the church look back look like and of course um, i'm sure as pastor dick can attest many people think of acts chapter 2 verses uh 42 to 47 thereabouts uh which is sort of a summary of the immediate aftermath of the founding of the church you remember the church was founded on the day of pentecost we know this uh as a matter of provable fact from scripture and uh in fact, let me just take the time to run through how we know that. Uh, we know the church began at, on the day of Pentecost, and it was not existent before then, because uh, it was called a mystery, meaning something newly revealed in Ephesians chapter 3, and then we, we read in Acts chapter 1, the passage I'm going to look at in just a second, that uh, on the day Jesus ascended, he predicted that uh, not many days from there, the Holy Spirit would come, and then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, just as Jesus said he would, and he baptizes believers uh, into the body of Christ, and we know that because in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us that that's what happened, but going back to Acts, so we see Jesus predicting uh, the Holy Spirit would come and, and do a new work, in Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 2, he comes and does that new work. And then in Acts chapter 11, Peter is speaking about the salvation of Cornelius, and he's sort of defending the concept of Gentile salvation before the early church leaders, and he makes a comment that's very, very important. He says, the Holy Spirit came on them just as he came on us at the beginning. Right. Well, the beginning of what? it would be it would have no context or no meaning it would be just an utterly absurd statement if if he if the if in fact the day of Pentecost did not constitute a beginning and then uh, we also know uh, that according to paul in first corinthians and also in ephesians i believe it is that or maybe it was colossians actually that when that baptism occurred when the holy spirit identified believers in the early days with one another in the body of Christ, with Christ actually, that that formed a body, and Paul tells us that body is called the church, so there you go, the the, the Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit baptized believers into the body of Christ is called a beginning, and Paul says it is called the church, so the beginning of the church occurred in Acts chapter 2, but what I'd like, and, and, and so back to my point, is the end of Acts chapter two kind of gives us a good description of what the early church looked like. Things like singing and breaking bread and, and, and listening to the apostles' teaching and fellowshipping and benevolence and those things. And I've often pointed to that as an example of of what the church should be. But I actually, my mind went even earlier than that, back to Acts chapter one at the very beginning. So as we try to answer the question, what's wrong with the church, I'd like to kind of camp out there in uh, Acts chapter 1. Now, most of our readers, I assume, understand the nature of the book of Acts. Acts kind of serves as the the bridge between the gospels and the epistles. Mm -hmm. It stands alone in the New Testament as the only historical book. Now, the gospels are historical in a sense, but they're part of a different genre called gospel literature, because the gospel writers chose selected historical events from the life and ministry of Christ, and then, you know, recorded them in a particular order to make a particular theological point. So Matthew, for example, is trying to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Right. Mark is speaking to a predominantly Roman audience and talking about the the uh, servanthood nature of, of Christ. Luke is speaking of his humanity and speaking to a Gentile audience. And so the book, the gospels contain accurate historical accounts because all of scripture is infallible and accurate. Uh, but they're not strictly speaking blow by blow chronologies. Uh, they all generally start with the birth narratives and end with the uh, passion narratives, at least the, the first three gospels. Uh, but, uh, Sometimes they, they put different events in a different spot, just kind of making a point. Whereas Acts is, is thoroughly historical. It's kind of the, the sequel uh, to the Gospels. And in particular, it's part two of Luke's work mm-hmm. uh, as Luke narrates the continuing work of the resurrected Christ in the church. Um, remember, Luke wrote, obviously, the Gospel that bears his name, and he also wrote Acts. And together, Luke and Acts comprise more of the New Testament than any other writer. Uh, So Luke and Acts together are larger, take up more real estate in the New Testament than all 13 of Paul's epistles, or, you know, all five of the books that John wrote, which are the Gospel of John, the three epistles of John, and and the the Revelation, the book of Revelation. So Acts is a very significant book. Now, again, it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive. It doesn't give us all the detailed commands that the epistles do as the Holy Spirit revealed more truth to the Apostle Paul and, and, and that some of the later uh, epistles were like Peter and James. Uh, of course, James was actually before Paul, but in our Bibles, they come after Paul. Um, and so, you know, every time I read through the book of Acts, I learn something new about the way the church should function. It kind of Serves as a model for church growth, for evangelism, for missions, for discipleship, for polity. Uh, it, as the church was finding its way in the early days, following the leadership ultimately of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, uh, it kind of mature, matured into what the, the epistles would later tell us it was supposed to be doing. So the book of Acts covers about 30 years from the infancy of the church in 33 AD all the way to roughly 63 A.D. in Paul's Roman imprisonment. Uh, your doctrines, as I said, that are covered in detail in, in the epistles are presented by Luke in the book of Acts by way of practice. So it's a difference between the principles and the practice. Um, so, uh, you know, when we, when, we, when we go to the book of Acts, let's just start out in, uh, in verse 1, and I'll read it. It begins, and again, Luke is the author. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, verse 2 until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things. Uh, pertaining to the kingdom of God. So remember, Christ came to announce that the kingdom was at hand Mm -hmm. to the Jewish nation. Uh, In fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, they rejected the offer of the kingdom, crucified the Messiah, stumbled at the stumbling stone, and ultimately Christ, the Bible tells us, is going to come back, and they will, in, in the second coming, they will receive the kingdom and cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, instead of crucify him, crucify him, or give us Barabbas, right, so yeah. uh, so it's not surprising then that Luke says, I'm going to continue teaching you about things that Jesus talked about, about the kingdom, and uh, what we find is that the kingdom is delayed, and God is instituting a new work called the church, mm-hmm. and Paul explains that in great detail in the book of Ephesians, uh, but uh, you'll notice that Luke is writing this specifically to a person named Theophilus. Uh, that's a real individual. Don't know a whole lot about it, but that was the recipient of this uh, gospel. And, uh, and so, uh, but yet, of course, it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit and all scripture is profitable, so the church at large can learn a lot by kind of getting a peek at this correspondence between Luke and Theophilus. So what's wrong with the church? Well, right off the bat, uh, I think, you know, we we notice that Luke says, the former account that I gave of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, he's now continuing. So I believe one of the serious problems in the church today it is that it has failed to continue the ministry of Christ. It has failed to continue the ministry of Christ. It has become an entity unto itself. In fact, in many churches today, you have to look very hard to even find the references to Christ and uh, the, the teachings about Christ. And recognition that Christ is the head of the church. They've become self-absorbed and inward focused, and uh, we need to remember that Christ is still at work doing great things today.
0: Amen, yeah.
1: Yeah, He's sitting at the right hand of God, and he has different functions now than he did when he was walking on the earth, but it doesn't mean that he's not very much actively involved in things on the earth. He's still very much at work. He's interceding on behalf of the church. He's uh, waiting for the Father's command to, to come back and establish the kingdom, the long-awaited kingdom. And the church, I believe, needs to return to the centrality of Christ in its ministry. You know, you yeah. look at some of the apostate churches, you know, that, that 95% of the churches, if I'm right, uh, that are, you know, he, uh, large. They, they are busy. They have many, many uh, ministries, but they really aren't reflecting the ministry of Christ. No, uh, I, I've told this story before in the classroom, but uh, it pops into my mind, so I'll share it here. I don't think I've shared it on your show, but uh, I can remember a church, this was years ago when I was in full-time academics, that was one of the largest churches in its area in a big metropolitan city. It had multiple campuses, and uh, a friend of mine uh, had, who was in ministry, uh, had applied to become the discipleship pastor at that church. Mm. Now, my friend was a thoroughgoing biblicist; is a thoroughgoing biblicist. He certainly understood the biblical concept of discipleship, and he assumed that the position he was applying for there was going to be overseeing all of the teaching ministry and programs in the church that would help people grow in their spiritual maturity and grow in their faith. (laughs) Well, when he went through the interview process and actually ended up taking the job, he quickly found out that that church had no appetite whatsoever for teaching about Christ and about the Word of God. They had over 40 small groups, as they called them. That used to be kind of a big thing back in the early 2000s and 90s. Uh, But, you know, the small groups were things like hunting and fishing, Tupperware, uh, you know, uh, how to have a great marriage or how to start your home business. And they were they were just these little clubs that you pick one that you were interested in and you would go once a week and with other people that wanted to learn about that. But they had nothing to do with true discipleship in the biblical sense of the word. And in fact, when he talked to the senior pastor about it and said, you know, what's going on? We really need to teach the Bible. The pastor actually said, of course, I'm paraphrasing. uh, This was many years ago. But uh, as I recall, the story said something to the effect of can't we just outsource that? Uh, Can't we find some other school or, or, you know, academic institution that can that we can recommend for people to learn the Bible?
0: Uh, He wanted to outsource it.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally outsourcing. So uh, my friend, of course, didn't last long there. He, he moved on. But uh, oh, that, to me, is an anecdotal example, a quintessential example of church, how, how, what's wrong with the church today. It's become more interested in you know, programs and so-called ministries uh, that, that really aren't centered on Christ. So So
0: you just gave us an illustration of uh, a church centered around the congregation's hobbies.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and so again, I think,
0: Oh my goodness,
1: the larger the church, the more opportunities there are to, you know, to have an impact in people's life. And I'm not suggesting that it's wrong in and of itself to do things like, like that. Maybe if you've got a older believer of a, a gentleman who who's really good at woodworking he might take some young people under his wing and kind of teach them some woodworking skills that's sure if you think that's fine but it needs to be centered on Christ around Christ yeah the church today largely is no longer continuing the ministry of Christ uh, mm-hmm. remember as the book of Acts goes on we find out that the Christ, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. In yes. Syria, and right. so Christian means Christ-like, and and we, the further the church gets from continuing the ministry of Christ, the less like the church it looks. So, yeah. uh, but if we go yeah. back to Acts in verse two, it says, uh, "Until the day in which He Christ was taken up, after through the Holy Spirit, He had given commandments." So the second thing that I think is wrong with the church is that we have failed to obey the mandates of Christ. Yeah. Not only have we failed to continue the ministry of Christ, but we fail to obey the mandates. of yeah. Christ. God, Christ has given the church <clears throat> a job to do. Uh, I mean, the great commission, uh, uh, make disciples, teach people about me, uh, and and, and and through the living written word of God, what we call the Bible now, we also have many mandates that uh, pertain to the church and things that we are supposed to be doing. And we have simply forgotten those mandates of Christ, and we failed to obey the mandates of Christ. Um, you know, a lot of people think of the church historically, especially secular, unsaved anthropologists and uh, you know, people who study culture and society, they somehow think of the church as a, this organic organizi- organism that's just sort of happened on its own. We, we forget that the church was a divinely inspired institution, part of God's plan of the ages that he chose to reveal at, at just such a time. It comes with certain expectations and obligations and uh, commandments. And one of the things that's woefully wrong with the church today is that we have stopped even considering the mandates of Christ, much less obeying them. Uh, You know, years ago there was a fad that was called WWJD. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Yeah. And uh, you know, that was kind of catchy and uh, you know, sounded kind of spiritual. It, it really, I think was counterproductive because it really, Unless people know the Lord Jesus by faith alone in, in Christ alone, and unless they go to his word, which is the only mm-hmm. standard in our beliefs, attitudes, and practices, it created this subjective nebulous concept of, well, uh, if Jesus was mad enough, he might punch somebody, or if he was hungry enough, he might steal. You know? So it, it wasn't necessarily a helpful fad, but uh, the question itself is one that I think the church should ask. And find the answers only in the Word of God. And that is, mm-hmm. what does the Word of God say? Jesus tells us to do as a church. Right. And, and we should do that. Um, so, you know, I think what's wrong with the church is it, it, it has failed to continue the ministry of Christ, it's failed to obey the mandates of Christ. And then, if you remember back in, in, in verse three, which we read a moment ago, Luke refers to the fact that Jesus resurrected and was seen alive by many infallible proofs, unmistakable proofs is the idea there, for 40 days. So if we put this in historical context, he resurrected on April 3rd, uh, 33 AD. 40 days later, he ascended uh, on, on the Mount of Olives to the right hand of the throne of God in heaven, where he sits to this day. And then 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the church was founded. So all of this happened within 50 days of that fateful uh, you know, Friday when Christ was laid in the tomb. And yes. so uh, Luke here, in, in that context, with all of this still fresh in his mind, under the inspiration of the Spirit, of course, writing this, reminds us of the resurrection of Christ. And so when you ask the question, what in the world's wrong with the church today, I think we've stopped proclaiming the miracle of Christ's resurrection. Yeah, We've stopped proclaiming the miracle of Christ's resurrection. Um, I mean, you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, for example, particularly chapter 15, you know, you you can't help but see the power of the resurrection. I mean, no resurrection, then there's no ascension. No ascension, then there's no Holy Spirit coming. No Holy Spirit, no power. That's right. The whole bedrock foundation of the church and the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion on the face of the earth is that we serve a living Savior. That's right. We're not serving some dead statue or some dead prophet who's been in the grave for centuries. We serve a living God. Jesus Christ came to the earth, lived a perfect, holy, sinless life went to the cross to pay our penalty for sin, a penalty that we could never pay on our own. Uh, And he paid it on our behalf, defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose again the third day. And now because he's purchased forgiveness and purchased eternal life with his own shed blood, he alone has the right and authority to offer that life to anyone who will simply receive it by faith. That's right. So he has come to bring life and that more abundantly. And we can have eternal life right now if you've trusted in Jesus Christ.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Salvation. So uh, the miracle of Christ's resurrection is inseparably linked to the gospel. Um, you know, Paul says the gospel by which we are saved is this, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so the church has got. Gotten- far distance from the centrality of Christ, as we said, but in particular from proclaiming the miracle of the resurrection. Um, You know, I can remember doing a wedding years ago. Um, I was pastoring at the time. This was before we started Not By Works, which we started 22 years ago in 1999. And I was asked to do a wedding for a a young couple that uh, had grown up in the church and Because they had grown up in the church, they wanted one of the previous pastors who had had an influence in their life to come back and take part in the wedding as well. So it was really me and this former pastor that were going to be doing this wedding. Well, we met with this sobriety groom in advance to kind of go to walk through uh, what uh, the the ceremony would look like, who would do what, and that kind of thing. And uh, I knew that historically, the church I was pastoring had been quite liberal. You know, like so many church, it was a very old church. It had been around since the late, or actually 1860s. Uh, no, that's wrong. 1840s, um, pre-Civil War. And uh, it had, like so many churches, it had started out conservative, then it went liberal in the early part of the 20th century, and then it had swung back to conservative. And and, and it was conservative even before I got there. But when I came, we continued to to go in that trajectory. So I kind of knew that there was a good chance that this pastor okay. that the couple was, you know wanting to be a part of it from when they were younger who had been the pastor of that church was pretty liberal and uh my suspicions were confirmed not only because he was currently part of a very liberal church uh you know that denied the deity of christ and the virgin birth and those things but when we sat down to talk about this wedding i was absolutely dumbfounded because this couple who had been under my ministry there for a couple of years asked if we could make sure and share the gospel at the wedding, and I was so proud yeah. that they wanted that done. They said, we're going to have some unbelieving relatives there. We want to make sure the gospel is shared. Yeah. Well, I was going to be the primary officiant uh, leading at the wedding, and that this other pastor was going to come up just for a brief moment, and so I turned to him, and I said, well, hey, would you mind sharing the gospel uh, when you do your prayer and this kind of thing, and he said right there in front of me and this young couple, the what? And I said, you know, the gospel, the good news. He said, I'm I'm not following you. I said, you know, can you talk about how Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, and and you have to believe in him to be saved? He said, I'm not comfortable with that. Why don't you do that, JB? (laughs) And so, I mean, this is a classic example of the church abandoning the proclamation of the miracle of Christ's resurrection and all that that means for salvation. So, yeah. What a shame, I
0: mean. Do you, do you think, JB, that uh, that maybe one of the primary causes for this is what Paul mentioned in in the book of Romans uh, that that uh, men were worshiping the the creature more than the creator? Uh,
1: Absolutely, I think that's a great verse that comes to mind. And and you know we've created God in the image of man. We have, you know, in fulfillment of prophecy. This shouldn't surprise us because, you know, depravity, as I've often said, is a degenerative disease. It doesn't get better with time; it gets worse. Right, right. Um, you know, Paul clearly says in First Timothy and Second Timothy that uh, in the latter days we're going to see a falling away. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, but it, it's just sad. So, you know, the the. What's wrong with the church? Well, it's it's failed to continue the ministry of Christ. It's failed to obey the mandates of Christ. And it's failed to proclaim the miracle of Christ's resurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go on to verse 4, we read, And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, Not many days from now. So we talked about that a few moments ago. This is where Jesus is predicting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 2, it happens. In Acts chapter 11, it's called a beginning. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it says it forms the body, which is the church called the church. So that's how we know the church began on the day of Pentecost. But when I read those verses there and Jesus' promise and so forth, uh, it, it, it reminds me of another reason I think the church is in deep trouble today. And that is, we've stopped following the mighty spirit of Christ. Mm-hmm. We've stopped following the mighty spirit of Christ. God, mm-hmm. in his divine design and divine plan of the ages. He knew that Christ would not always be bodily on the earth for, during the church age that he would go away. Jesus himself talked about this in Luke chapter 19 on the eve of uh, his uh, entrance into Jerusalem uh, mm-hmm. for Passover week, the final week of his earthly life prior to the, Resurrect the crucifixion. Jesus Himself talked about how He's going to have to go away for a while. Uh, this was alluded to many times throughout His earthly ministry. Right. Um, so uh, He, God in His divine plan, it, it intended that the ministry that the Holy Spirit would take on a new ministry. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't come into existence when Christ left the earth. The Holy Spirit is God; He's omnipresent, uh, but He took on uh, new ministries and uh, served. Uh, the the world and the church in a unique way the permanent indwelling the baptism of the holy spirit to identify us with christ and uh, many other things so uh that's why jesus here in the waning moments before he ascended to the right hand of the throne of god he says look don't forget about this baptism of the holy spirit that i promised you in the upper room remember he first talked about this uh you know uh, Forty days earlier, forty-three days earlier, forty-four days earlier—the very night that he was betrayed in the garden. Prior to that, they were assembled in the upper room for to celebrate Passover. It's when they, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. But it was in that time that he promised, "Look, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is going to come when I go away, and he's going to do unique things in your life, and he'll help lead and guide you." And so, I think the church has failed to follow the mighty Spirit of Christ. Uh, Even in some churches that do still try to preach the word of God, they, they, it's almost like the Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity. And Hmm. we don't really, you know, understand the ministries of the spirit. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that, uh, that the church, each member of the church is gifted with gifts of the spirit to help edify the body. So the spirit is a key part of the present church age, and you know the churches that do focus on the Holy Spirit usually do so in, with bad doctrine and assigning to the Holy Spirit certain ministries yeah. that the Bible does not assign. Yes. So we've got really a a either an incorrect view of the mighty Spirit of God, or we are neglecting to our own detriment. Uh, the mighty spirit of Christ in his work in the church. Uh, But notice what Jesus says, or what Luke goes on to say after Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit. Luke tells us, therefore, when they had come together, this is verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, this is a big one. And we've talked about this before, not in this context, but I think one of the big, big problems with the church today is that it has stopped anticipating the millennial reign of Christ. Yeah. It has stopped anticipating the millennial reign of Christ. You know, the kingdom is important. As we've said many times, 16% of the Bible is unfulfilled future prophecy that will take place in the end times. Yes. Churches ignore that. Uh, they are part of the 84% club, as I call them, because they, if they teach the Bible at all, they only teach 84% of it, if that, because yeah. they ignore any teaching about the end times. And right here in Acts chapter one, uh, you know, we see that the the anticipation of the millennial reign of Christ when He comes back to take the throne in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem is central. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know. Uh, when when they asked about the kingdom, it's not like Jesus said, you know, you silly disciples, forget the kingdom. It's done. We're not going to have an earthly kingdom. I'm going to be just reigning spiritually and metaphorically in your hearts. Stop obsessing about the kingdom. He didn't say that at all. He affirmed that Mm -hmm. they were right to continue to anticipate the kingdom. He just said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, times there being, uh, you know, particular uh, time in sequence and epic meaning the length of time. So, uh, you know, I think the church is really only doing its job when it anticipates the millennial reign of Christ. That's, yeah. uh, you know, we look forward to a time when Christ comes back to make all things new. Amen. We're awaiting the blessed hope at the rapture. Um, of course, the church will be rescued uh, prior to the great day of the Lord's wrath, that seven year tribulation period. And then Christ w- will come back with the church, his bride to inaugurate the kingdom at the second coming, Uh, but either way, we ought to be proclaiming and anticipating and teaching about the future millennial reign of Christ, so we see so far, if we just kind of try to digest what Luke is saying at the very beginning of his book of Acts here, that the problems in the church First of all, we're not continuing the ministry of Christ. We're not obeying the mandates of Christ. We're not proclaiming the miracle of Christ's resurrection. We're not following the mighty spirit of Christ, and we're not anticipating the millennial kingdom, millennial reign of Christ and the future kingdom. But there's two more before we finish, and that is in verse 8, a very well-known passage. It's kind of Luke's uh, record of Jesus' restatement of the Great Commission, when Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the end of the earth. So this is often served as a model, and indeed we see how the church spread according to this model. It started out in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, as Luke records in chapter 2, It began to spread all through Judea and on into Samaria and ultimately throughout the earth. Uh, And so uh, what we need to understand is that the church is not really doing its job unless we're spreading the message of Christ. Mm -hmm. We're not doing our job unless we're spreading the message of Christ. And um, that's one of the problems today. Churches, as we said earlier, are so focused inwardly that not only are they neglecting the gospel, and the miracle of Christ's resurrection, which sets the church apart, uh, you know, talk about burying the lead. I mean, Christianity and the church is all about the resurrection, and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm kind of going back now to what we talked about earlier, but it it just strikes me that, you know, when's the last time you really heard a pastor emphasize the resurrection? Now, to me, you know, I'm so passionate about the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel that almost every time I speak, I'm talking about how Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Yeah. That's central. If he didn't rise from the dead, then we're still in our sins, Paul. That's said. right. Um, but here, this sixth point is is a little broader than that. It's just the overall message of Christ being <clears throat> his witnesses and <clears throat> fulfilling his great commission. And so you know, that's the fundamental purpose of the church is to testify about Jesus Christ and invite others to hear and believe the gospel because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and how can they hear without someone to proclaim the good news right. so but finally the church I think is in trouble because we have failed to expect the manifestation of Christ oh yeah we've 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 forgotten the imminency of the rapture. Uh, if you look at verses 9 and 10, of, or even all the way through 11, he says, now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Now, listen, This same Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go. (laughs) Now think about that. That sets the table for the entire rest of the book of Acts. The rest of chapter 1 all the way through chapter 28. It's this expectation of the manifestation of Christ. (laughs) Not only do we need to be teaching about the millennial reign of Christ and anticipating him. But we need to be eagerly in a state of expectancy, looking for the eastern sky to split and Christ to come back. Yeah. Uh, You know, expectation demands mobility, not immobility, action, not inaction. And the church, I think most believers never even think about the fact that it could be today. Uh, You know, they just they're going through their life, going through their routine, and they may be very busy. kind of like the story of Mary and Martha. And, uh, you know, Mary was so uh, upset because, uh, you know, Martha was uh, out, you know, was was serving and doing things for Christ and, and, uh, you know, or I mean, was just sitting at uh, Jesus feet. I can't remember which one was, which I'm kind of brain fried this morning here, but you remember the story. They were one of them sitting at Christ's feet. The other was serving and the one that, you know, wasn't serving, was like, hey, come on, she should be helping, and, and, and Jesus says, no, 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 you know, you're you're too busy, you forget that the Messiah is right here in your midst, so um, yeah. that was a terrible summary of that of that historical account there of Mary and Martha and Jesus, but anyway, uh, my readers will be gracious, I mean, my listeners will be gracious, I'm sure, uh, but anyway, that's what I think a good picture of the church today, many people are busy, even in church, you know, mm-hmm going to the softball games and the choir rehearsals and the business meetings. And what, but are we really looking up? Are we really mm-hmm. expecting the manifestation of Christ? Yeah. So I don't know. These first 11 verses of Acts just sort of, I think, remind us of a time gone by, what it looked like early on when the, the, the birthday of the church was still fresh. It was still a new move of God. And I think after 2,000 years, what's wrong with the church is we've just gotten a bit stale. Uh, so yeah. as we close, let me just re- review them one more time. I think uh, the church is in trouble because we fail to continue the ministry of Christ, to obey the mandates of Christ, to proclaim the miracle of the resurrection of Christ, to recognize and follow the mighty spirit of Christ, to anticipate the millennial reign of Christ to spread the message of Christ and the gospel and we fail to expect the manifestation of Christ, the return of Christ. Amen. So yeah, let's, uh, let's do our part, whatever church we're a part of, let's do our part to maybe start checking some of these off our list and, and making a difference in this world. And, uh, just want to thank you again for letting me come on uh, today. And
0: oh, we of, thank, we thank you for being with us again absolutely. today, JB. And, and, uh, you know, I, I've always been blessed to be, uh, to attend and be part of churches that, that are doing it the right way, Uh, but I know of many that, that are not, and what would be your advice to somebody who, just a a lay person in the congregation that recognizes that things aren't being done correctly? What, what would your advice be to them?
1: Well, the first piece of advice is you have to identify the non-negotiables, and I don't think there's ever an excuse to stay in a church that is wrong on the gospel. If they're proclaiming a false gospel, there's really no question. You can't stay in that church. Um, right, right. Uh, there are many preferences and many less significant issues that you might be willing to overlook, even though they're not, you know, to your liking, but fundamentally what matters most is the gospel. And if the church is not preaching a clear gospel, then, uh, you know, you might, uh, have to address that. Uh, now, I, I want to hasten to add that in many cases, there, you know, there's a difference between a church that is blatantly, willfully, and intentionally promoting a false gospel, mm-hmm. Calvinist churches like that, and they're dug in versus a pastor who maybe is just a little careless in his verbiage or sloppy in the way he communicates uh, the gospel and has never really thought through it. And sometimes in those cases, it, it you know, it can be productive to to just sit down and with a humble gracious attitude you know point out you know here I heard you say this on one Sunday and this on another and don't those things seem contradictory and shouldn't we be more clear and you know those types of things and sometimes you you know you make a friend that way and it helps uh make a difference yeah. in that pastor's life but short of that uh, you just can't stay in a church that's preaching a false gospel um the other thing i would say is uh don't be legalistic about some of the preference issues Uh, if you you know you may not like the music per se but as long as it's not doctrinally false and and heretical in its in its uh, lyrics uh, you know just recognize that um, you know this the culture is different today and you know what the kind of music you like might not be the kind of music pastor dick Mm -hmm. likes or someone else likes or i like and so uh, we've got to be gracious. Um, the podcast that I uh, played uh, from our archives last week uh, on Thanksgiving week, since we didn't have our week uh, live stream, was called Defending Grace Graciously. And so yeah. I think sometimes people, because the church is in such dire straits today, they tend to more quickly and hastily identify and pile on with all these more, you know, different problems. And yeah, losing sight of what really matters most, and so uh, I would just say, you know, think through uh, why you don't like the church, and if it if it fails to meet the standard or some of these things we've talked about, then find another one. And I know that's getting harder and harder to do. the the vast uh, the biggest segment of emails that I get, if you categorize them all over the last 20 years are from people asking if I know of a church that's clear on the gospel or teaching about the end times or those types of things in their area. So I know that it's, it's, a, it's like finding a needle in a haystack sometimes.
0: I, I have a friend who contacted you recently about that.
1: Yeah, and, and well. I don't always have, in fact, most of the time I don't have uh, a suggestion, although I'm certain there are good churches in just about every area. It's just, they're hard to find. Uh, But, you know, this day and age, what you can do is you could start a church in your home, the way the New Testament church started with like minded believers, Mm -hmm. Uh, you can do some online teaching I have several groups that that uh, are home group churches (coughs) for now, and they uh, are trying to do the best they can to fulfill the duties of a church, but yet they're live streaming from Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, where I serve as the pastor. And that way they're getting, you know, uh, teaching that, you know, because a lot of times people, lay people don't necessarily feel qualified to teach. But,
0: right, right.
1: but you know, many that shouldn't stop you from trying. But uh, so I think there's some some advantages to being in the world today because we have technology. We have those types of things. But uh, yeah. just you can't compromise. You can't taking a stand doesn't mean knowing what's going to come next first and then I'll take it you take the stand on principle and let the chips fall where they may.
0: That's right. That's right. Unity is a wonderful concept and it'd be lovely to be able to achieve, but not at, not at the cost of compromise. We can't, we can't do it. And you can't do psychology without having first theology.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you talked
0: about WWJD and uh, I confronted someone once because they had the sign on their car. And I said, you know, that's an empty question until you first answer the question, what did Jesus do?
1: I love it. <laughs> WDJD, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. What yeah. did Jesus do? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. When I was a kid, my mom used to say WWJBt. What was JB thinking?
0: But that's there <laughs> yeah, you right. go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh okay i knew you were a mischievous of as a kid yeah, i just knew I gonna, it yeah. just tell.
1: <laughs> well, before we go let me remind everybody to check out the podcast tomorrow that we will be uploading uh on a new topic it's i know it'll be of interest to you it's a uh, one that i did that's kind of related to this idea of the church i did it years ago uh in uh minnesota i think that's the one i've got scheduled for tomorrow i better not lie to you it may be uh uh, actually something totally different, but uh, either this week or next week, and I'm looking it up here, I'm going to do one on the church, and okay. then one on um, the et- doctrine of eternal rewards, which I don't know that we've really talked much about that on this uh, program, um, but uh but yeah, it's uh it's a much neglected topic, and, and both of those—the one on yeah. rewards I did at a conference in Idaho a few years ago, and then the one on the church I did in Minnesota. Yeah, so tomorrow is called the nature, beginning, and future of the church, and then next Wednesday we're going to upload. For heaven's sake, what on earth are you doing? So check those out.
0: Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Then and you can you can check those out either. Uh, can they live stream? The, oh, no, they can't live stream. Those are recordings. So, yeah, you you can get on there and check the archives and and what you've got posted for tomorrow and and get that more or less uh, from from an an archival basis. So uh, but but don't don't miss it, ladies and gentlemen, please tune in, because I mean, uh, all of it is relevant, pertinent and really important information for you to have. And uh, J.B. goes to great uh, lengths to study and present properly, and we we really love him and appreciate him for yep. for the work that he does, and uh, uh, because he does it 100 the accurate way, yep. the biblical and scriptural way, and we and we love you for that, JB. Thank you. Well, yes,
1: thank very 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 nice. thanks again for uh, for letting me be on today, and uh, look forward to next Tuesday. Now, I'll be on the road next Tuesday, but we're going to go ahead and still plan to do it from my hotel room, and I'll communicate as we get closer if anything comes up.
0: That sounds wonderful, and we appreciate you making yourself available, even at, at a busy time like that, J.B. Thanks again. Um, we also want to remind our listeners that uh, we we have another segment upcoming um, this Saturday morning with Pastor Dick. Um, we are currently uh, studying Grace, grace and the, First Peter. Yeah, the Grace and First Peter. We're calling it the Grace Series. So you don't want to miss it, yeah, J.B., we... Not and maybe one or two weekends ago, we mentioned you mentioned uh, on our Tuesday format that uh, a lot of Christians don't fully understand the grace of God. And and Pastor Dick took the cue. He took the hint. He says, "Yeah, that's right. We're gonna do a grace series." And uh, you guys, what a team! I'll tell you why we.
1: I tell you what with his with his looks and his brains we make a good team so
0: <laughs> yeah, well listen yeah you, you you're you're not uh you're not just uh you know you're not too bad yourself there jb you've got some you've got some qualifications sir and uh and like i say we we really appreciate the fact that you do everything by the letter of God's law and uh, uh you know it not many churches are doing it today. Yeah. And uh, so, hey, Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado, let me tell you what, you do you know how blessed you are to have this guy? Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> we, we do. You
1: know, I'm the one that's blessed. We are so thankful to be a part of that church family of the greatest people in the world. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I, I hope we, we can make it out that way for a visit one of these days, JB. I'd love that. Uh, so let me remind you again listeners thanks for being with us today and um, we hope you were blessed by what you heard and we hope that you'll choose to tune in with us this saturday morning when pastor dick continues the grace series until then may god bless and keep you this is the christian underground news network signing off until saturday morning see you then